speaking podcast this is chris shelton the critical thinker at large coming at you on itunes stitcher google play and with video here on youtube guys i have just finished just now have finished (laughs) watching a five-part series on netflix called the family and we are going to be talking quite a bit about uh that and the 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 the, if you haven't seen it well you know i'm not gonna well i'm gonna spoil it all over the place for you but um but it's okay it's not like you know there's some big reveal in it there's things we need to talk about in this and that have been talked about and exposed in this documentary and that's what this podcast is mainly going to be about however this week Uh, I could easily do an entire Scientology episode on some of the news that's happened this week because the next lawsuit in the series of of what we're calling the Jane Doe lawsuits, for lack of a better term, a series of legal suits that are being brought against the uh, Church of Scientology, uh, this time brought by the accusers, four accusers of Danny Masterson, a Scientology celebrity who has been accused for years now, Uh, this has been dragging on, uh, with the legal system, with the district attorney, Jackie Lacey of, of uh, Los Angeles County, not bringing criminal charges against Danny Masterson, despite the fact that she has had this case on her desk for over a year now, literally. Um, so a civil suit has now been brought against Danny Masterson as an individual. And of course, the Church of Scientology is in this also because they are uh, all up over their, their fingerprints are all over covering up this, uh, this case and the, the facts and specifics and evidence of the case. So that's happening. That, start, that, that happened this week, and that is very exciting news. The other piece of very, very exciting news that I have been sitting on for a couple months now, because uh, I was under contractual obligation to not be able to talk about it in any way, was the final episode of Scientology in the Aftermath, on A&E. That is Mike uh, Rinder and Leah Remini's production. Uh, it has been three seasons of amazing exposure of the Church of Scientology at all levels. Um, Mike and Leah did an absolutely championship job uh, with those three seasons. In fact, they that is an Emmy award-winning documentary series. And um, now it is finishing off with a two-hour final episode. And um, I'm in it. I was in the studio audience. A lot of other people that you know as Scientology watchers or followers or people who are involved in this, you're going to recognize almost all the faces of people who were there, some of whom I got to meet for the very first time. It was an amazing experience. It was, a, it was an all-day production, putting the, the two-hour show together. I don't know if I'm going to be featured in it or not. I did stand up at one point, had something to say. Um, you know, information has gone back and forth with the production team. So we'll see what comes out in the final edit. There are far more important stories than mine told in the, in the two-hour episode. And you guys are really going to want to see it. So, um, so if you haven't marked your calendars yet uh, to check that show out, then you definitely are going to want to do so. Now, that news having been gotten out of the way. Uh, This has been a really, really great week. And the last thing I want to say is, just in follow-up to last week's podcast, which got pretty personal, 
Uh, my wife and I uh, sat and talked here about some of the, uh, va you know, the, the vicissitudes and ups and downs and, and downs and further downs of uh, some of the aspects of, of recovery from Scientology. If you haven't checked out that podcast, I'd ask you to do so. Um, and uh, this has been, since that podcast aired and since, and this whole last week has been a marked, marked improvement. Um, I want to I want to just reiterate that there is a real catharsis, there is real healing uh, power in speaking out and sharing with other people. There just is. Uh, it's just a I don't know. Maybe it's a human thing. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe it's just a, a you know the feedback from you guys has been unbelievable. I mean, really, I I use these hyperbolic terms all the time because I don't know what other words to use, but in this particular case, they are fitting. Um, I have been, I've really received a lot of very positive emails, comments, feedback from you guys in regard to that last podcast. I wanted to thank all of you personally for that uh, right here because I was not able to respond to all of the comments, of course, and let you guys know that I'm fine. Okay, I'm not in a bad place. I'm not like, you know, in crisis or in it. In that's not what's happening. That wasn't the purpose of putting that information out there in that podcast. So I want you guys to know I'm okay. It is just a matter of there are ups and downs in this process. And it is not an easy thing to do to reacclimate to society as a whole when you have lived in a bubble world for decades. You know, it's not just, I, I didn't have a casual involvement with Scientology. It was my entire life. So, you know, getting over some of those ideas and, and, and pulling and extracting some of that stuff out and, and, and acclimating to a different worldview, it's a process. And it's one that I'm sharing with you guys. So you can expect that along the way, there have been some downs as well as some ups. And that's just kind of natural to the, to the process. So, um, so I hope I didn't alarm people out there. And if I did, then I apologize because that wasn't, wasn't really the point. Um, and that all being said, I want to move on now. So thanks for all of your support. And, um, and now let's talk about the family. <laughs> okay, so I have brought back... Uh, Clint Haycock, he is a former evangelical pastor who uh, reformed, I guess you could say, or sort of lost his faith, uh, you know, has been pursuing a, a, a secular atheist approach to life and has been, like I have talked about Scientology and the abuses of Scientology and the cult-like uh, aspects and, and sort of machinations that Scientology gets up to. Well, he has talked about that a lot with the evangelical community, and he and I have definitely found a lot of common ground because, of course, cults all operate on the same basic playbook, one to the next. So, Clint, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. I cannot wait to get into the family and all sorts of other, yeah, bizarre yeah. stuff. You're absolutely right, though. That's the whole key to what sprung me was this idea that evangelicalism could possibly be a cult. And I never would have seen it that way until I started talking to people like you and we were comparing notes and you said, strip away the ideology and at their core, they're basically the same. And that's, that's really become kind of a central uh, tenet in my kind of, you know, continuing deconstruction, I guess you could say. Big time, man. Awesome. Um, yeah, exactly right. And 
we're going to get into this now because there are I have so many things to say right now and I haven't even really I mean I want to go through it again I actually want to read this guy's books and stuff uh because uh and it's and okay first off the Family is a documentary. It's a five-part series on Netflix. It is produced by Alex Gibney, the same documentarian who produced Going Clear. And I first saw the, the, the trailer for The Family a few days ago. Somebody, you know, I've, I've received emails. People have asked me about it. And I looked at the trailer and I went, oh, God, it's just more conspiracy theory nonsense. I, you know, I'm not interested. I've heard you guys really don't know how many rabbit holes I've gone down on conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, I don't just, I don't dismiss this stuff out of hand without cause. I mean, there's a lot of insanely crazy ideas out there that sound plausible, but when you chase them down, they're absolutely nuts. And, uh, and then of course, there's all the real super obvious conspiracy theory stuff, flat earth and all that. The Alex Jones, David Icke style stuff, which is just, it, it just, that stuff just surrenders to critical thinking within seconds if not you know minutes maybe this is a different thing uh, the, it might be being marketed as a conspiracy theory documentary but that is not what's going on with this this is and alex gibney's name being attached to it quite honestly really uh reduced my uh, trepidation about watching the show and what i was getting into because sometimes you can be fed a series of facts that are factual but if they're not the complete picture or they're taken out of context or with, with wrong perspective or framing, you can create your own little old conspiracy kind of thing uh, with true information. So it's not like it has to be all lies in order to be conspiracy theory or in order for me to just kind of brush it off as, as ridiculous. But this builds a case and it builds it over five episodes and it, does a, and it goes right into it. And Alex Gibney is somebody who, one of the few documentarians that I actually trust because he did such a championship job with Going Clear. I mean, as a former Scientologist, I watched Going Clear and there was not one factual inaccuracy that I observed in the entire thing. And that is very difficult for any documentarian to get right, any person who's not been involved in Scientology, to get it as right as they did with the Going Clear documentary was a very impressive piece of work. So Alex, so Alex Gibney is somebody who I can, I feel that I can trust as a documentarian. He's not somebody who's trying to sell an agenda as obviously maybe, or as blatantly or, or biasedly as many other documentarians are. Uh, so, I just wanted to kind of put that there at the beginning because uh, you can easily dismiss these things as some big kind of conspiracy theory. And uh, yet, that's not what's really going on here. But this is such a subtle, it is such a covert, it is such a hidden thing that's going on. And, and it is one of those things that's hiding in plain sight. All the evidence is right there. And it takes five episodes to kind of lay it all out. But what you have here is a, is a group that, that, that goes way out of its way to not be a group, to not have a name, to not have an organization, to not have a leadership, to not have a structure. And yet, it's an incredibly powerful, structured <laughs> sort of thing. 
you know, that's kind of organically grown over, and it's now international in scope. The, there are a number of um, avenues through which people get involved with this activity that we will simply call, the, that's called the family or the fellowship. It's a religious group. It's bound by religious ideas, mainly Jesus. Uh, that's the common denominator of, the, of, of, the, uh, of getting invited to be part of this. It is an invitation-only kind of activity, which is kind of interesting. And uh, it has a great deal of influence with, uh, in politics in Washington, D.C., and therefore around the world. So that's kind of the basics, a very, very basic idea of, of, of structurally what we're looking at. Clint, how would you describe what the family is? Well, I think we were saying before we started recording that uh, when I when I watched, I just like you just finished the fifth episode a couple of days ago. I kind of binge watched them, and it it didn't surprise me. What there were some things that were surprising in that I didn't I didn't know about Abraham Veridi. I didn't know who Doug Coe was. I didn't know some of the names, but the general principles or the outline of what they're trying to accomplish. That's something that you and I kind of talked about in our last podcast because I was. At that time on my podcast, I was just about to release the episode with Conway and Siegelman, who wrote the book Holy Terror. So if you go back to the 1980s or even late, late, mid, late 70s, you know that the Christian right has been involved in the world of politics. That, that's, as you said, that's nothing new. Jerry Falwell Sr., there's a whole list of names, Bill Bright, other people like that, who saw that they needed to make inroads specifically into politics to advance a Christian agenda. So essentially that, and the broad outlines, that's what the family is doing, isn't it? Except as you say, they're going internationally. You know, well, they are now. That's right. Fascinating. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 it's, it's hard. To, it, in fact, it's almost impossible to summarize what this is all about in just a few sentences, because it is, it's, it's a little layered and it's a little complicated. Doug Coe, yeah. Uh, was this was this very powerful? It, well, he was described in the documentary as the most powerful man in Washington you've never heard of, and that is definitely uh, a pa made apparent through the course of his writings, his his who he was meeting with. The man literally was on a name first name basis with every president since uh, Ike, Eisenhower. Going, yeah, yeah, Eisenhower, right, right, going all the way back there. Leaders, yeah, all sorts and, of dictators, world leaders, presidents, prime ministers. Movers and shakers. Gaddafi. Yeah. Like he personally met with Gaddafi. Absolutely. He, you know, other world leaders, right? Um, you know, they get these guys uh, to say that they have ties with is, I mean, they That's are putting it mildly. Yeah. They're really very, very influential. And it was a little surprising to me, to be honest. Maybe this is naive, naive. Maybe this is uh, uh, just ignorant. But I was very, very surprised at how it was at least purported to be the case that Jesus, the word Jesus, is sort of the universal door opener. If you want to meet with presidents and kings, that's the name you drop. And these guys get in there. Yeah, I thought of it was course it helps that they're, you know, that these ambassadors of the family are U.S. senators. House of Representative members, you know, so we're talking about congressmen, we're talking about world leaders. 
Uh, we're not talking about, you know, small fry people. We are talking about people with great, great deal of influence and power. Doug Coe was not somebody who was ever elected to office, was ever chosen by the people for anything he was doing. And yet he insinuated himself into this system and sort of wormed his way in, in a way that was pure genius, is, yeah, is, how, is how I think about it. Because yeah. he broke down his religious faith to one simple concept, Jesus Christ and nothing, nothing else. That was his formula. That's right. And it was a brilliant formula. You could tell that this was a man who very carefully thought about how he was going to conduct his life work and then proceeded to do so in a way that it really worked. I mean, his goals accomplished, mission accomplished as far as, yeah. you know, he died, I guess, a few years ago. Uh, and his work continues on. This family thing keeps going. It's not a structured cult system the same way Scientology or the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or any of these groups. It's not like that. That's what's so genius about it is that he set up a system that anybody who has any religious inkling of belief at all uh, towards Jesus could glom onto, could immediately find, you could immediately find common ground. And then you, of course, once you have that common ground, you just build, 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 build. And religion being so central to some people's worldview and, and life, they will, you know, once they're convinced that you're on board with them, uh, these are senators again, presidents, you know, world leaders, once they, once they feel as a human being that you are a fellow believer at the same, you know, of the same kind that they are, they bend over backwards to help you. <laughs> and that's what exactly. Doug Coe was basically counting on. I, I think you're right. The, the, the connection with Jesus is the fascinating kind of key to the whole thing, I think, because someone said in the documentary that looking at it from the outside, they're using Jesus as a, like a talisman. Yes. Like you said, he's a, he's a magical figure, but to them, I mean, Doug Coe was an absolute fervent believer. And he said, there were two things that Doug Coe said in the documentary. He said, number one, Jesus Christ was the greatest diplomat that ever lived. And he said, number two, Jesus Christ was the greatest leader that's ever lived. And that was his sort of core model. Jesus, the diplomat, Jesus, the leader. And from there, I think my perception of it was, he was saying, we need to take this model, Jesus the diplomat, Jesus the leader, and, and recreate that worldwide. Certainly in America, but all over the world. As you say, he, he was able to meet with dictators, prime ministers, presidents, and billionaires, movers and shakers. So, And it was always he always came back around to this idea that Jesus will smooth the way because he's such a great diplomat. And so he's carrying this magic charm almost of, Here's Jesus, the talisman ahead of him and using that to, as his key to unlock all sorts of doors all over the world. That's right. That's exactly right. I, um, I was taking notes during this thing, and I'm just going to kind of randomly go through them here and, and take them up with you. The first one, the first idea that I had after watching this documentary is that I have 
asserted, as has all of the atheist community online that I've ever seen or had been part of for the last six years, that America is not a Christian nation. We are not founded on Christian principles as such, you know, overtly. Uh, we're not supposed to be. The Church of, you know, Christ is not the official sanctioned Church of America. You know, it's not like that. And yet, the problem is so big, you know, when you see the influence of these national prayer breakfasts or, or that these prayer breakfasts that are going on, because it's not just a national prayer breakfast now. This, is, this was the medium that Doug Coe used, one of the main mediums he used to infiltrate DC. And that is the word I will use is infiltrate, because he got everybody on board all the way up to the president that there should be this national prayer breakfast on one day in February, which is now turned into kind of the national prayer week. And they use this vehicle to create relationships, as they, you know, quite rightly call them, uh, where foreign leaders and American diplomats and American business leaders and anybody else that they want to bring on board to this thing, and this includes Russian nationals and Russian uh, government assets, uh, meet and form these relationships. And what goes on back channels at these things? out of sight, out of media sight, out of, out, of, out of any sort of, there's no transparency to any of it. Well, who knows what goes on? That's the point. Nobody does. Who knows? Well, all you can say is if people have been caught, I can't remember the name of that Russian woman who was in bed with the NRA, as well no. as a Russian oligarch. She was caught and convicted of basically spying on the United States. And that was one of her avenues in was through this national prayer breakfast. But I was going to go back to your, when you said Christian nation, now. Yeah, I'm going to go back to that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a kind of a red flag word or words. And what, when you say that, this is what I've been doing a lot of research on is something called dominion theology. Yes. And we didn't, talk, we didn't talk about this last time, or maybe we just mentioned it, but dominion theology, anytime you hear the words Christian nation applied to any nation, and we hear it here in Great Britain as well, you know, Britain was a Christian nation. That is a statement made by Dominion theologians. And so when you hear that word Christian nation, that should be a trigger, a red flag in your mind going, aha, I'm now on to something. Now, what I haven't been able to do is tie the family specifically into Dominion theology. But I think when I go down the list and look at what Dominion theology is all about, I go back and I think, okay, I'm seeing a lot of these markers of the family when I look exactly. at dominion theology. Well, first off, why don't we why don't we break down? Okay, let me finish my point on the Christian nation thing and then I want to get into that. My my point on the Christian nation thing was that I had to I I am seriously reevaluating right now. You know, I don't want us to be a Christian nation. I don't want us to be any kind of religious nation. I think freedom of religion demands that there not be a state religion of any kind. But I am not joined in that opinion by millions and millions of Americans who adamantly believe that this is a Christian nation, always has been, always should be, and that God's law as they see it, with Christian law, is the only you know, law that applies. And these are the kind of people who think that you know, civil laws are junior to God's laws and the Bible and these kind of things are more, more important, more uh, weighty, have, have more uh, value than uh, our civil laws. And that's, that becomes problematic to me. 
so I'm, but I'm sitting here looking at this and, and the way that our Congress is conducted as shown in the documentary. And I have to start wondering, man, you know, there's a lot of people in our government who seem to think that we are a Christian nation and they proceed to do their jobs as senators and congressmen from that premise, you know, and that goes all yeah. the way up to the president. And this is, this is very, this should be a very, very, that alone, that just, just that should be very, very frightening to people <laughs> who Absolutely. value human rights and freedom of religion. Well, and going back to your point about Christian nation, the idea, any it's another phrase that you should pick up on. Anytime you hear someone say America was a Christian nation, our founding fathers were all staunch Christians. Uh, that is, that is a, a dominion theology mandate that has filtered its way into evangel mainstream evangelicalism. So you get a guy like right. Mike Pence. He right. may not be a strict dominion theology follower, but he, he and people like him believe that line. And that line, again, comes from dominion theology. You know, they'll right. even go so far as to say that God inspired the writers of the United States Constitution to write. It's a divinely inspired document, you know, and, that and they never intended for there to be a separation of church and state. I mean, Ted Cruz said in 2016 that it should be a one-way wall. There, there should be a wall stopping the state from interfering in the church, but, but it shouldn't stop the church from going into the state. That's Ted Cruz said that a couple of years ago in a sermon. And, and that's frightening because Ted Cruz, yeah. is, is, before he was a senator, was a, a, a trained constitutional lawyer. <laughs> and if he's saying that in a sermon, and his, his father, Rafael Cruz, is, a, is another Dominion theologian who's, who said similar things like that, you know, that we have the Christians, that the central premise is basically that Christians need to, they should, they must occupy high government offices and other positions of major influence like media, education, entertainment, journalism, uh, and that, that when all that happens, then God's kingdom will be ushered in and Christ will return. That's the basic uh, worldview of dominion theology that Christ can't return until Christians occupy these secular institutions. And that's the kind of the main core belief. Now, when you go to the family, I didn't hear that, all that language, but essentially I, that's what they're trying to do. They're, well, they're, exactly. All right. about Christian and, leadership. Yeah, they, these things go. I mean, if the family and dominionism are, are two different things, their merger is easily predictable. I mean, they're, they're, they're on the exact same playing field. They're playing the same game. Exactly. That's no. the problem. And that's when I, when I started researching dominion theology and then I saw the family, I was just in my mind, it was going ding, 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 ding. That's a dominion theology tenant. That's one, that's one, that's one. Now, no one ever really said, you know, we're dominion theologians and the, 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 the dominion theologians who actually we know about, None of them appeared in that documentary. No names were mentioned. And so that, these were all new names to me, guys like Veridi and Co. and other people. But they're advancing almost the exact same agenda as Dominion theology. And, and isn't that a little frightening? Because the family and its tentacles of influence are 
rather legion. They are all over the United States now. These prayer breakfasts happen in every state. They are connected with the governments of every one of these states. They are, they are also happening at lower levels. And you go, God, a national, you know, a national prayer breakfast or a state prayer breakfast, what's so bad about that? In and of itself, nothing. It's, it's what happens at them and, and what doors it exactly. opens. It, that's the problem. I want to be clear about this, that, that we're not on some anti-religion hate thing here. We're talking about how religion is used as a vehicle to open doors that need to stay closed. And the kind of doors where we're talking about foreign leaders or even you know national um, uh, getting together, having meetings, having discussions, having uh, uh, making agreements, coming to decisions about things, and then action following that is not transparent, that is not diplomatic, that is not democratic, right? It's religion-based. So these exactly. guys meet up on a common ground of religion, but then, of course, the conversation goes here or it goes there. As one journalist uh, mentioned in the documentary, if you were a bad actor who had malintent towards, say, the United States or a particular area or whatever, these non-transparent meetings that use religion as the, as the vehicle to get into them are fertile ground for you to go engage in covert operations without, you know, being caught, without getting exactly. caught. And, and, uh, and it was, and it is hard to catch people out at this stuff when there's no transparency. Uh, this Marina Butina person, whatever her name was, the, the, the Russian woman who got caught, I mean, she was being, by the time she got caught, she was so blatant about what she was doing. Yeah. She didn't even mind being photographed with people. And that's how, you know, and that, that kind of thing is how they end up catching people out. The, the, the whole point of the family is to operate with no names, no organization, no membership, and sort of operate on a, on a the first rule of Fight Club is, there's, is you don't talk about Fight Club. Exactly. Keep it on the down low. That's right. And that don't, was the thing that, yeah, don't say anything. Something that Jeff Charlotte said, he said that this is the this is what should be of major concern, what you just articulated, that these people are are going into international meetings with all kinds of high uh, leaders, politicians, influencers. They're making backroom deals without our knowledge, without our consent and without and completely apart from the democratic process. There's no voting, you know, and th what are they talking about? What kind of deals are being struck? We don't know. Except, except for the fact that this particular brand of evangelicalism is being represented all over the world. It's, that's it's, right. that, that should be the major concern, you know? And exactly. I think um, th this is the thing about Christian dominionism. I was going to read, um, I came across an article about Christian dominionism, and they said there's three kind of major hallmarks. And if I throw these three at you, let's see if they apply to the family. Okay, that's the first one is... Christian nationalism. So what we talked about, America was in the past and should be again a Christian nation. Okay, so that's the first one. We just talked about that. Number two, religious supremacy. So promoting the supremacy of Christianity as a religion, denying the legitimacy of other faiths, or even other versions of Christianity. So, and we saw that in the documentary, especially in um, 
re regards to well anti-LGBTQ and the, the thing in Romania, the vote that didn't pass, but it was all about family values and all this. Well, they're promoting their brand. Anyway, then the third marker is what they call theocratic visions or what's called theonomy. And that's the idea that the Old Testament law, specifically the Ten Commandments, should be the foundation of American law. And so we still see that with you know people fighting to to when when they talk about removing Ten Commandments from courthouses and public buildings, that's because they believe that the Ten Commandments are and still should be the foundation of American law. Now I don't know if I heard that in the documentary. Did you hear anything about? The Old Testament law being, you know, sort of the basis for American law. I didn't hear that anywhere in the documentary. No, that was not mentioned in the documentary that I heard either. Um, but I will say that it would be easy for somebody in the family to sort of just nod sagely if somebody, let's say from a Dominion camp, were asserting that this is how things should be. I could see somebody from the family saying, Oh yes, well, you know, Jesus absolutely is the, you know, is is how we should be leading things. And absolutely. they just kind of then move forward. You know, they just kind of go, yeah, okay, sure. And, you know, yeah. And they 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 would have more common ground than they would than they would not. I don't see that would be a point unless they unless it was a couple of really hardcore fundamentalists, you know interested in fighting. But the whole point about the family is they're not interested in fighting. The, the folks from the family are interested in associations and relationships and common ground. That's what they're interested Absolutely. in. That's the scary part. Hey, everyone. Having the right answers is so satisfying. Whether it's solving a problem at work or exchanging trivia with friends, I have a great idea for you. It's called The Great Courses Plus, and it's a priceless source of knowledge in just about any field. This streaming service offers thousands of lectures. You can explore everything, from the fallacies of faulty authority to the Darwinian revolution, from the art of negotiating to playing chess and cooking. With reliable, in-depth information from professors and experts who have won awards for their ability to teach. They have unique perspectives you never even thought about, and that is the key to critical thinking, because no matter how much or how long you think about something, you can always learn or hit on things you never thought of when you hear what someone else has to say about it, especially someone who knows what they're talking about. I recommend checking out their course, Theories of Knowledge, How to Think About What You Know. With this course, you get a really interesting look at what knowledge truly is, how we acquire it, and how we justify our beliefs. This, of course, goes hand in glove with how people buy into cults or high control groups. And understanding how this works can save you from a lot of future heartache and trouble. I wish someone had given me this knowledge when I was still a teen. So here's the special limited time offer for you guys on this. A full free month of unlimited access. But you must sign up today using my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Start your free month today. Sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Enjoy. But I think the, the key word that keeps jumping out to me is this that word leadership. 
because yep. originally it was called ICL. That was one of the iterations of the family, the That's International right. Christian Leadership Foundation, ICL. And this is going right into to, to a lot of the Dominion theology because they're all about Christians are, are built to be leaders. Christians should be in charge of many areas of, of public life. In fact, there's another element of Dominion theology. It's called Seven Mountains Dominion theology, and they're like metaphorical mountains. And they say there's seven areas in secular society where Christians should be in, in control, in charge. Uh, number one is family. Number two, religion. Number three, education. Number four, media. Number five, entertainment. Number six, business. And finally, number seven, government. That is straight, you know, seven mountains, dominion theology right there. Those are the seven, you know, mountains that Christians are supposed to be in charge of. And I could see the family saying, yeah, we want to be le training leaders for any and all of those areas you know, of those seven mountains. So, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. And they would, and they would encourage again, those relationships, uh, you know, yeah. and they, and the thing that, the thing that's so interesting about this and what you're talking about now, and I knew this was going to go here is that there are multiple vectors of attack on the foundations of the United States as a secular democracy or, or Republic. Um, that's what these vectors of attack are. They are, I mean, let's be really super clear. My view, and I believe yours, uh, Clint, is that these are attacks on the, the foundations of what makes our country what it is. They don't think of themselves as warlike or attackers. They have this delusion, and I am not using that word lightly or hyperbolically, it is a delusion, that this country was all about Christian values and that that's what we need to, quote unquote, return to, or that's what we need to turn the world into. The, the family specifically had the master goal of a worldwide spiritual awakening, for example. These are not, you know, the, the, the government to these folks is just the, is just the tool to bring the word of Jesus and God and all of that to everybody. Governments are, are subservient to or lesser than uh, Jesus. So, so they're thinking really, really big. <laughs> you know, they don't have small goals. Oh, yeah, they got very big vision. goals. And governments to them are tools to manipulate and use to accomplish those goals. So, so this goes beyond nationalism even. Well, if you think about it, something that Conway and Siegelman said in their book, Holy Terror, and I'd, I'd never seen it that way because I was always a big proponent of evangelical foreign missions. I, was, I went to Bible college and they pushed missions in a big, big way. And they said that in the book, Holy Terror, that in order for Christian missions to succeed worldwide, that by default must mean that all other religions have to go. Christianity right. has to reign supreme. That's really what has to give in order for Christianity to take over. Exactly. And when this is brought up, and this was brought up yeah. once during the family documentary, and the guy deflected, he misdirected. And this yeah. is what they do. And I think they even do it to themselves in their heads. But what happens is, you bring up an issue like they were fighting in Romania for family values. Well, what does that mean? They were they didn't want same-sex marriage to pass, right? You go down to uh, what was it, Uganda? 
Yeah, that was and, the other one, wasn't it? Yeah, Uganda was. Major Uganda took up the mantle so hard that yeah. the the leader of Uganda, the guy, the dictator, the guy who was in charge, was saying, "Oh no, we're going to kill all these homosexuals. We're not just, you know, family values here in this it's country. These people need to be killed." And they actually showed footage of a guy getting, you know, murdered, stoned yeah, to death. Yeah, by a crowd, a hostile mob, because he was accused of being homosexual. That was his crime. And the, and the Ugandan government was completely fine with this. Now, the family guys who go instigate this crap, then, well, that's not us. We didn't say to go kill all the gays. Exactly. Well, what did you say? You said family values are what Jesus wants and what God wants. And if you're going to live a righteous life, then you have to live according to the way we're telling you Jesus, what Jesus wants. And so... Uh, so killing the, the homosexuals is not something we're going to say is wrong or bad. We're just going to exactly. say, well, we didn't say to do that. But they inferred it from, of from course their- Of they did. They're completely the responsible for what happens. And that's there. the thing. You know? This, this so-called family values, as they say, when the, and it's, you see it in Russia too, because they were showing in the, in the doc, one of the documentaries, a Russian, I think it was a priest, giving a sermon and he was talking about family values and what, what they mean. That's code word for one man, one woman. That's right. When they say family values, what they mean is a man and a woman and a monogamous marriage with children. And that does not include any sort of same sex marriage. So by implication, then what does that mean? If our government stands for family values, <laughs> sorry, the, the gays have to go in, in somewhere. You know, it didn't pass in Romania, but I wouldn't want to go to Uganda. I'm not going to send my daughter there because she's gay. You know, oh so, my God, it would be a death sentence for her. Literally. Not a good idea. Her and no, her partner. And this is and, and and that's the kind of society that these people actually want to see happen, and that's the scary part. And you go, that sounds so alarmist. That sounds so extremist. That sounds so insane. Does it? Look at you. Happening. Look at what happened there. Look at what's happening there. Look at why it's happening there, right? When yeah. religion takes over, when religion gets involved in government, because government's not about, you know, dictating how people should be living their lives. That's not what government's function is. But when you enter religion into the mix and morality into the mix, and the government's job is now to enforce God's law. Yeah, you're uh, right back in the Old Testament. Well, and yeah. something that, that I just re recalled from our conversation with Conway and Siegelman is that they were saying back in the 80s, even Campus Crusade for Christ, which is founded by Bill Bright, they they uh, switched their agenda from just going out on, on mission trips and just preaching to the people on the street. And they they realized that if we go after top military officials, top politicians, top you know business leaders in these various countries that were attempting to reach for Christ will have far greater impact. So that idea has been around in groups like Campus Crusade, and that's exactly the agenda of the family, isn't it? Is that, and, and I think someone said this, they, they said they don't care about the small fry, you and I on the street level. They're interested in the billionaires and the politicians and the oligarchs and the prime ministers and the dictators and the despots, because if they can get them on their side, then they'll change their society. And that's kind of their agenda. 
Exactly. This is this is what Scientology wishes. I mean, this is <laughs> it only this wishes is the it could of, be the family. Man, this is the kind of influence <laughs> that that L. Ron Hubbard only dreamed of attaining. That David Miscavige has wet dreams about, right? I mean, yeah, L. R. H. is spinning in his grave. <laughs> uh, we're talking about cozying up to government officials and getting close to them and personal with them in a way that is inconceivable. Uh, really from a diplomatic is. point of view. And you'd you know, never diplomatic. know about it were it not for these books and the documentary. That's right. That's right. The and that's the hiding part in plain about sight. it is the, the shock of learning about it. You go, oh my God, this has been going on all this time and I had no idea. Well, and then like we were, they were saying in the, I think of the last episode where Jeff Charlotte is talking about the evangelical Trump vote and continued support it's a it's a deal it's a it's a deal with the devil and he's using them and they're using him and that's absolutely what it is and you know so he goes to the first prayer breakfast and he starts trashing arnold schwarzenegger and you know what is that <laughs> that's right it's just well, it's donald trump being donald trump you know well yeah but, but it's at a prayer breakfast Oh, I, you know? well, since when has Donald Trump ever been appropriate about anything? I mean, the guy yeah. was giving thumbs up at the site of a mass shooting. Exactly. Within two days of it happening. The, I yeah, mean, he, I is, he, he is the most horrible person. But but let's get, but what Doug Cody, I, I want to, I, there's something about this that's actually very, very important that I want people to understand. And that is that what Doug Coe and uh, Verides and these other, you know, these, these people who set this up, this goes all the way back to the 1930s. And the whole history of it, I'm not going to restate. I really want you guys to watch the documentary, obviously. But, but what this guy Doug Coe did, see, he, you wonder, well, who is this guy Doug Coe? Well, he's just a guy. He's really nobody. I mean, he's really not anybody yeah. of... Uh, of yeah, know, he had no office, he no position. He doesn't have Harvard education. He doesn't have all these credentials. He's a minister. Yeah, from Oregon. Just a nobody. Yeah, from Oregon. That's right. But he 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 was man, this guy was crazy. Crazy like a fox. He, he was smart. <laughs> very smart. He yeah. hides in plain sight. Here was the note that I made on. Let me just read it and then you can tell me what you think. He hides in plain sight. He connects with people who are very, very powerful people. Uh, mostly people of ego. Because DC is full of ego. And these people that Doug Coe is connecting with and building relationships with are the kind of people who cannot conceive of somebody not wanting the limelight. They can't conceive of somebody who doesn't, who, who, who wants to be powerful by not being in the public spotlight. Because that's what they're all about. They've built their careers on it. We're talking about politicians now, right? World leaders. So they see this guy Doug Coe come along and cozy up to them and talk Jesus to them and, and find common ground with them on religion. And they think he's a great guy. There's no ulterior motive there because how could there be? Because he doesn't want the limelight. It's not about ego for him. He doesn't even want me talking to other people about the fact that we're talking. You know, it's not a great big, huge secret. It's just Let's not talk about that. Doug Coe doesn't want the spotlight, so let's not give it to him. So they then start making calculations, very, very wrong calculations, I think, that there couldn't be anything nefarious or harmful going on because what could possibly be wrong about spreading the word of God, quote unquote. 
So they're to so taken in by Co that they don't see that they're being bound up in this network of influence and that that network is going to be used for purpose, uh, you know, on purpose, for a purpose by this guy, Doug Coe and his, and his associates, uh, and that they're just another piece in this network that he has built. And they don't see the, 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 the sort of the web that they're part of. They only see their one little individual role and they think, well, I'm not doing anything horrible. I'm just spreading the word of God. What's the problem? You know? Yeah. Well, it's like that men's so it's, group. It's genius that way in the same way that like cult leaders like Hubbard, right? Like you get the membership, you get the believers to sell the non-believers and then they become believers and, and everybody's selling each other on this thing that seems so wonderful. Meanwhile, the leader, the actual leader, Hubbard or Co, sit back and <laughs> look at all these people working for me and they don't even know it, you know? Yeah, advancing their agenda. Well, I was going to say what, what what it reminds me of. I think the final episode, the producer of the show, he he gets invited to a men's group in Portland, in Oregon, and there he sits in on this meeting. Now, what what really struck me? I've been a, I've been a part of those men's groups. I used to be in what they call accountability groups when I was a pastor. When I was a Christian, it's a big thing in evangelicalism that. A group of people, either men or women, usually segregated according to gender, they sit around, you know, somewhere and they, they you know, confess their sins and they get help with, you know, with all their problems and, and it's cathartic and everything like we saw in the documentary. Now, there's the one African-American guy. He's incredibly articulate. I can't remember his name. Right. I remember who I'm talking. Larry somebody. He's, I mean, I was, I was blown away when I heard this guy start to talk. I was like, damn. This guy is is amazingly articulate, and some of the stuff he was saying about you know race race relationships and and stuff like that was just like was spot on. I mean, I'm like hell yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Then they bring the producer into the group, and they start praying for him at the end. And what he said in the prayer was so revealing. He said to the guy, "I pray that God will break you, will destroy yes. you." Yes. And and you know that and i thought okay now we're getting into the cult mentality i was with him up until the very end i was in his really corner. well oh, i wasn't oh i saw what that guy was all about <laughs> earlier than that but i i definitely yeah. noticed that that destroying bit because that's yeah. the, you know and okay let's actually talk about this because i wanted to bring this up so thank you for for bringing this up this 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 uh, goes to the same kind of thing. Remember, I think it was the last podcast we did where I talked about the fact that there's a principle, there's an underlying philosophy of ignorance connected with Christianity, that, 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 that there is a worship of ignorance that you need to give over to God. He has all yeah. the answers. You don't need to have any of the answers. You just need to believe. Yeah. Clear your mind, still your mind. Yeah, That's right. Critical let, let thinking is a tool of the devil, right? Yeah. Okay, this is another kind of similar pillar, I believe, of this, of this uh, a, a philosophical pillar that I have strong moral disagreements with when it comes to evangelical or, or fundamentalist philosophy. And that is that you have to be broken to be fixed. You have to, in other words, we have to, we have to break you first in order to save you. Um, I don't agree with this philosophy, having been broken <laughs> and then put back together a couple times, right? And then doing it myself now for myself, finally. Uh, I don't agree with this philosophy. 
You know, I don't think that this is a good uh, a way of, of approaching life is to break human beings. If you consider life as a boot camp, then maybe this philosophy makes sense to you, but that's not how I think about life. And I don't think that's how we should be. I don't think we should be breaking children. I don't think we should be breaking people. You know, if you want to convert somebody, then do it through reason. <laughs> you know, uh, you know this, 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 and they, they both physically demonstrated it in the documentary with the, 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 the football game and the piling on. Yeah. And then they circled back to that later with, uh, with this, this guy talking and talking about how you need to be broken. And the imagery was powerful because it because it, it it aligned with uh, you know one what the guy was saying, but two with what I'm talking about here, where you know these are they have a very below that at the bottom of that right is this idea that you are nothing, you are valueless, you don't really have value, except to the degree that you praise God or Jesus. And I could not disagree with that more. I don't think that my life is supposed to be a life of slavery and servitude, but these people do. That is, the, that is a basic core thing with them, I think. Now, having said all that, please, you having lived that life, what's your response to what I just said? Yeah, it's true. And that, the idea that actually God is behind all that, that God yes. wants to break you. That, that's what I meant when I said I was behind him all the way yes, from the yes. from the point of view what, where he was talking about race relations. I'm like, yeah, he's making a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm looking at this group. You've got, you know, half a dozen black guys, half a dozen white guys sitting in a coffee shop in Portland talking about, you know, pretty, pretty heavy stuff. I'm like, well, that there's some good coming out of this thing. But then when it comes to the end, as you say, and he's praying for God to break this guy. And he's like, that's how you're going to come to see the truth of all this. That's where he's advancing a guy like Doug Coe's agenda that you were just right. talking. About. Now, right. I thought, I think Doug Coe was a genuine believer. He believed in this stuff. I don't think oh, yeah. he was like a Machiavellian cult leader who didn't believe any of it and was only doing it to manipulate people. I think he honestly fervently believed everything he was trying to do. I just happened to disagree with the whole premise, as you're saying. Well, exactly. And there seems to be some judgment factor that people bring into the evaluation of cults and cult leaders, where, because I've heard this many, many times over the years, and I've probably done it myself, where they somehow judge a person more harshly if they are insincere in their assertions. Cult leaders I'm talking about, right? Like, this is a question that comes up with L. Ron Hubbard all the time. Did he believe in what he was saying? Did he believe it? Does David Miscavige believe it? And I've come to a point where I go, who cares? Does it matter? Does it matter? Because the actions and what's reflected in the real world on people's lives are the same, regardless of whether this idiot believes it or not. So I, I agree with you that Doug Coe truly believed in what he was doing and that he truly believed that he was a righteous man doing Jesus's work. And I just don't care because everything that guy did was covert, underhanded, manipulative. You know, he was not upfront and, and about 
his intentions. He he said he was, and he came across to people as though he was, which is the sign of true greatness as a cult leader. But, you know, he had plans and schemes. He had ideas that he was not sharing with the whole flock, you know, of his followers. And uh, and those ideas lead to persecution of people. And that's where I go, no, it's not just about having a nice kumbaya belief and prayer meeting. It's about persecuting people who don't think the same way you do and don't believe the things you do. And Uganda and Romania are, of course, the case study examples of that. Yeah, I was just going to point that out, that from something so simple or seemingly simple as being broken down psychologically, that's how cults operate, isn't it? The uh, cult man uh, mystical manipulation, break you down, the, the snapping, as Conway and Siegelman define it, the information disease and all the rest of it. But then what about Uganda? What about Romania? Now we're talking about these are real people who are, who are being persecuted, Russia too as well. They're very, very homophobic in Russia, you know. And so, and Putin's walking around these Russian Orthodox churches, lighting candles and, you know, exactly. praying. Exactly. He's in bed with the, with the church in Russia. That's right. I, I made a note. I, I have never seen cult mechanisms and manipulation used so effectively on such a large scale as I have with the family. Maybe that's, maybe that's the ultimate thing to, to say about the whole operation is that, because I was thinking to myself, all right, my cult radar is up. My antenna yep. is up, you know, and, and the first episode, I thought he's talking about joining a cult because as you were saying, the, this group of young men, it's very, uh, you know, very culty in its feel, you know, and he's in this house and he's doing all this work and they're breaking him down. And I'm like, oh, man, he, I know I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I thought and the then, same thing. <laughs> yep, I'm like, he's joining the cult. And then the po the political angle started coming in more and more. And, you know, it's like, whoa, okay. I didn't realize that's what this was about. This organization, right. they are recruiting young people like him, young men and women, to serve and become future leaders. So they're in the pipeline. If he'd have kept going long enough and, and gone down their route, he'd, he'd be a, some high-up politician right now, I guess. What about all those or other young men? an assistant to one. Yeah, helping right. to advance the good work of the kingdom. That's you right. Know? That's the right. Jesus's kingdom. Yeah. And, and so and, you and, think and that's the thing about this is that has that entire movement has no place in our government. It that's has a place in America. It has a place behind the pulpit. It has a place in religious groups that decide that they want to be political action committees or something and they start you know using the the levers or start pulling the levers of government as they should be able to do as citizens who unite around a religious cause fine you but at have least they're up front to do that yeah but you know where they're coming from right it's open it's transparent yeah. it's obvious they have they have you know they have to they have to say who they are they have to identify themselves you know who you're going up against this whole thing with the family is so evil it's so wrong because it's so hidden in fact one of the quotes that i wrote down uh word for word from uh doug co 
the more, quote, the more you can make your organization invisible, the more influence it will have. Yeah, that jumped out to me too. Right? I thought, bingo, that is, that is a critical statement. A hugely is, critical what statement. What does that even mean? I mean, and, and I think th there was there was a man and woman. They were they were clergy. Uh, they were in the one of the last episodes. Yes, and they were saying the same thing. They're like everything that Doug Coase and his organization stands for and stood for is is one hundred percent diametrically opposed to what the church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be welcoming and open and transparent. I mean, in theory. Like you said, you should know exactly what they're about. Your your local church on this on the street corner, they're not doing secret things. Hopefully, behind the scenes, and they're they're just a bunch of people that fervently believe in and all the rest of it. And they meet every Sunday and blah blah blah. If you want to join them, go ahead. You know, there's no hidden secrets. But everything Doug Coe and the family are doing, that's diametrically opposed to what, in theory, the church is supposed to be about. In you know, according to these clergy, anyway. Exactly. And it's also against everything that America is about, as I understand it. And by that, I mean, not the religious, you know, again, this is not about their belief. I don't care what they believe as individuals. I really don't. It's the fact that they, you know, okay, I didn't elect, and I don't think any senator anywhere is being elected <laughs> on the idea that they're going to fly around the world and convert world leaders to their religion. You know, I, that's not that's not the role of a senator. Yeah, that wasn't one of their planks in the platform, was exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't me, see that one. And, and yet you have five or six of these, these senators that they've spotted, you know, through travel documents and, and, and forms yeah. and things who are literally making it their lifetime profession to do that. That's not what Congress exists for, to use its weight to throw around the world to, to convert people to their religious beliefs, or even worse, use their religious beliefs in order to strong arm other world leaders into whatever agenda items those congressmen have, like, for example, same, you know, defeating same-sex marriage in uh, Romania or Uganda. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you or I went to the prime minister of whatever country and said, I'd like to talk to you about religion, you're not going to get a foot in the door, are you? Right. But if you say, this is senator so-and-so, congressperson so-and-so, you know, oh, and, and I'm a Christian too, you find that out later, but they're going to, they've got the weight that, that, that letterhead on the, on the piece of paper, this guy's from the United States Congress, of course, he's going to get gain entry to talk to the prime minister or whoever. Exactly. And then suddenly it's a religious, why is a guy, I can't remember his name, he's flown to Africa 20 or 30 times over the last several years. What, what does that have to do with his own constituency in America? Exactly. And I mean, of course he sees it as I'm establishing God's kingdom and it's ultimately gonna bring about peace in the world. So everyone's gonna benefit because of course Jesus is the great diplomat, you see. That's how that's how they phrase it, isn't it? it that's exactly how they phrase it. Yeah. And the and the thinking is not, you know, it's not like it's malicious, but 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 there's a but. It's only it's only good in the end for those people who believe the way you do. Exactly. And if you don't, 
You know, if I hand you this Jesus book, because they've, they've distilled all of the Bible down. It's not even about the Bible for these people. They've distilled it down to Jesus and just, and they got a book that says Jesus on it. And it's just the Jesus parts of the Bible taken out. And they said, this is the part that actually matters. This is the only part of the Bible that really matters, right? And if you don't believe as they do, and if you don't accept that and go, yeah, you look at that and you go, no, I don't want to have any part of that. I'm not a believer. I don't think God has anything to do with my life. I don't want Jesus in my life. And thank you very much. Yeah, what well, then? That's your death sentence is basically what that is. is basically what that means for these people. Uh, again, Rwanda and, or sorry, Uganda and Romania are the case studies of that. Exactly. Well, and if you said everything you just said, and you say, oh, and I'm also gay. Right. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Now we got a problem because not right. only have you rejected my religion, you're, you're anathema to everything that I stand for in terms of what I believe God is about. Uh, and that's the problem, isn't it? You know, I was listening to a sermon on the way home. I was going to bring this up. Yeah. Actually, I want you to know, I listened to a sermon for you, man. I took a bullet for you, Chris. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, was, I was doing some research on Dominion Theology, and I came across a podcast. It's a guy called Chris Vallotson out of, out of a church, Bethel Church somewhere. And it, just, it was just called Dominion Theology. And I thought, hey this might be interesting. I'm just going to throw it on as I drive home from work. And I mean, it was the most rah-rah Jesus thing I've ever heard. I had to turn it off after about 30 minutes. But what struck me about it was, was that when his, his uh, definition of dominion is this whole thing about Christians have dominion over everything. You know, we're winners because God's, God's on our side. And then see, going back to that point, you were talking about God breaking you down he would say, a guy like Chris Velotin would say, but that's that's only trivial. God's going to break you down, but he's going to rebuild you into someone so much better. And that's the plus side. You're going to be a winner because God's got your back and you've got Jesus. And so, you you know, and the crowd is cheering and yay, yay, rah, rah, rah. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with. We're dealing with that level of sort of what he calls dominion theology. Christian have Christians have dominion. We're winners, you know, and sorry, Chris, you're a loser because you're not a Christian. You don't have Jesus. <laughs> That's right. Oh, the hypocrisy is all over the place. It is so illogical. And I, um, this was very clarifying for me. Watching the family was a very, very clarifying experience for me in understanding Trump supporters on the evangelical uh, base and also understanding because they had thoughts and ideas that I could never conceive of. Um, like the fact that uh, Trump's, you know, uh, um, bragging, his ego, his awfulness, those are all those are all uh, features, not um, not bugs, not flaws, not bugs. That's right. Yeah. Those are features, not exactly. bugs. Right. They like that about him. They want that stuff there. Because it's that wolf king that they're talking about, right? Which is which is kind of a yeah. nice cap on the whole show. So I don't want to spoil that part. But um, but there's there's there is it is possible to understand it. But it's such an alien way of thinking to the way I look at the world that it I never would have been able to conceive of it on my own with my own understanding of of how faith and Christianity and and belief works. So it was very clarifying for me to understand that to get that point of view.
and understand even further like how crazy the cray cray can get uh in rationalizing awfulness in the name of god absolutely yeah i I would say yeah i'll put a shameless plug in for i keep saying that that episode with that i did with conway and siegelman on my show mind shift podcast i mean i've gotten so much feedback kind of like you were saying about your show last week that people were you know I, it was eye opening that's the that's the the word i got was wow i had no idea that this stuff has been going on for decades this has been an agenda of the fundamentalist people like Falwell senior and so many others and now we found there's another layer to the whole thing you got the family in there that we didn't even know about you know exactly. so now we got to research that I'm going to keep researching the connection with Dominion theology. That, that's kind of where I'm going with it. I'm trying to chase up Jeff Charlotte, see if I can get him on my podcast. I know he's super busy right now, you know, ever since the documentary came out. But, hey, you, you never know. That'd be, it'd be a great interview to have him, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm actually pursuing the same thing. Hey. I, um, I, want to, uh, I want to regroup with you maybe in a couple of weeks on dominionism, because I want to go into this more, in more detail and learn everything you know about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much fascinated by it. I'm continuing to research it. And that's the connection that I'm hoping to find is what is, the, if, if anything, what is the connection between the family and dominion theology? Because I'm seeing names popping up here and there. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to start listing these people and figure out what's the connections between the family uh, and this Dominion theology. Because to me, there's too much, it's too much of a coincidence. There, there cannot be, you know, nothing there. There's got to be something there. Oh, no. I think this five-part series on Netflix just scratched the surface of how deep does this go. J- Doug Coe was working for decades behind the scenes before anybody even knew his name on on this whole structure. And he had really big plans as laid out in the documents they show in the documentary. I actually wanna get hold of those documents because I'm very, very curious about what else they say besides what they showed on the screen. That's what, that that org chart. Yes. Like you were saying earlier, that's that's a critical thing. What kind of a hidden secret organization's got this very elaborate org chart with leaders in the middle and spheres of influence and all. I want to see that document. They only showed little flashes of it on the screen, didn't they? But I'm thinking, yeah. oh, I want to see that whole thing because uh, that's got to be very revealing about what their plans are. Exactly. And I think that's where you're going to find your tie-in with uh, with Dominionism. And I, so I guess yeah. we both have a little bit more research to do on this and then maybe we can regroup because um, this is a huge topic. Only because there are so many people involved, it is it is it has got so many machinations and 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 associations and things you know rolling out from it that it's not it's not easy to talk about or describe this stuff in in just a few sentences. So so we've got a lot more to talk about on this. I think we definitely do. Yeah, more work needs to be done. This is yeah, we're just this is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> exactly. Going but down think, the rabbit hole, man. <laughs> exactly. Well, right? But think on <laughs> this. Really think about this, you know, and if I was going to give any homework to anybody on this or or something to leave you guys with cuz we'll 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 move to wrapping up now. There's just there's just ugh, it's too much on. Um but think on this line. Really think about this 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 philosophy, this this idea that Doug Co put out. The more you can make your organization invisible, the more influence it will have. 
And I think, like I said, I think we just scratched the surface with this, with uh, what Alex Gibney's documentary there, with what Jeff Charlotte wrote in his two books, which we now have to go into. Um, and I just think we need to be a lot more aware of what's going on than maybe we think we do. And I know that's just such a burden for the for most of us out here, because you got your job, you got your kids, you got your worries, you got your bills, you got your this, you got your that. You want to have some free time and 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 have some fun, and yet this awfulness is kind of going on in the world around you, and and it's hidden. You know, and we need to get it out in the light. We need to show this stuff up for what it is. I mean, I, for one, want to see this national prayer breakfast just like get destroyed. I, I, I cannot believe something so patently awful is just continuing to happen. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. They're not, it's not going to get overturned anytime soon, is it? No, it's not. And that's, I'm it's, just saying it because I, I need to say it out loud, but it's like, I know it's a hopeless statement, you know, but still. But like you said, it's a national prayer week now. Right. All sorts of satellite events the whole week. And it's going right. to go to a, by a two week thing. It's going to take a fortnight to get it all done. I mean, it's unbelievable where this thing is going. Exactly. And something else I'll, I'll refer you folks to out there um, without going into a lot of detail or giving you my opinion of it, just something you might want to look up. And, and then think about in relation to everything we've been talking about in the podcast, check out something called the Hatch Act. It's a law. It's the United States law. And it, and it talks about people negotiating for the United States. And uh, the fact that it's, uh, uh, well, there's, there's a law connected to that. So anyway, check that out and see how there might possibly have been a few Hatch Act violations in the course of what we're talking about here. It's it's bad, folks. It's 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 pretty it's pretty blatant that they've been doing it for so long that they they've gotten away with so much that at this point it's sort of like they can do it out in the open now and they just don't even really care. And uh, and you know if you're looking for conspiracy theories, <laughs> look at this stuff because this is more factual than the weird dot connecting that Alex Jones likes to do. This is this is more more real stuff so anyway clint thanks for uh thanks for coming on board here yeah i've got to recover from the religious trauma of listening to that sermon on the way home so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> i'm gonna go have a beer now chris i'm gonna go yeah sorry i put you through that <laughs> no i'll be all right I'll, I'll survive i'll go have i've got a cold beer in the fridge i'll be fine <laughs> okay good all right man well, like I said, thank you very much for contributing to the show here. I, I, I think I, I, I feel like I might have probably been talking too much, but there's just, uh, there's, I, I had so much on my mind and so much to say here. Um, we gotta, we're going to do this again soon. Yeah, that's great. Cool, man. All right. Folk, and folks out there, obviously, uh, if you haven't watched the show, I'm sure you'll check it out. Uh, and I will definitely, in the future, uh, after the two-hour episode uh, that Leah does, I am sure I will uh, be addressing what gets talked about in that show uh, here on my channel, too. So, something else to look forward to in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for coming around and watching, guys. Leave any questions, comments, or feedback in the comment section below. And know that uh, I probably left 20 strings un unfinished here. There's so much to talk about. 
uh, with this. Uh, so I'm curious what else about this you guys might want to know about. So go ahead and leave that in the comments as well. Thanks for coming around. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.